0: Hi everyone, Dan Johnson, and you're tuned to Left of Center right here on uh, my little podcast, which comes to you each uh, and every time I do another podcast. And so (laughs) I don't have a set schedule, but I do have a guest today for the first time. uh, Since I've been doing a podcast, we're going to have a guest, a friend of mine by the name of Gary Byrne. Gary and I used to volunteer at another radio station that is no longer on the air. But uh, we stay in touch with each other and talk about stuff. Now, Gary, for his real-time job, uh, works for an airline. And uh, we can't give you the name of the airline, though, so just don't get edgy, all right? <laughs> uh, but he happened to have been in the air at over 30,000 feet during the eclipse. Now, we're going to get into the heart of our left-of-center epic episode uh, in just a minute, but I've been itching to get Gary on the air with us and talk about that experience uh, flying that high. So Gary, thank you very much for being here. Good seeing you again. Hey, good seeing you. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, you know, everyone always buys for that
1: aisle seat when they're flying. Well, this is a day you wanted the window seat and it's always the way it is. All the cool stuff is always on the other side of where you are seated. Yeah. So I kind of felt bad for the people seated on the left side when it was happening on the right side. But the people that were on the side that was going to be visible were very accommodating. Would you like to step into my row? Would you like to look out my window? They were getting up out of their seats. People had brought extra glasses to share. I went up to the cockpit and looked at it. It was amazing. It was Because you did not. Now, first, before you
0: get into the actual eclipse itself, tell us about where you were flying from and to. to. And I I think that way we can kind of keep things in perspective too.
1: So I was going from Portland, Oregon to Los Angeles, California, and then from Los Angeles back to Portland. So in airline terminology, it's called a turn, which is where I don't spend the night and just go down and back. So we left Portland early. It was like to leave early. We get to LA early. We unload, everyone's off the plane, and the agent comes down, would you like to leave early? And she knows me. She's like, I'm like, yes, please, because we get paid the same whether we're late early, let's be early. So as we're boarding, I'm letting people know, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to fly over the area of totality, and if there's any way that we can be seated quickly, we may be at the point of totality. These two items will converge, and we'll hit that perfect spot. The minute people heard that, they took their seat, they stole their bag, and it just happened to be that we were normally having to wait for another major airline to back out of the alleyway. We didn't have to this time, so we got their spot. So we took off even earlier. And so we got up to the area just south of Sisters, and the co-pilot came on and told people, start to put your glasses on. As you, and it was, we were flying up the coast as we, there's kind of like highways in the sky, you would use the same route. People could tell that it was getting darker and you could see because LA would be like 70%, you know, and it grew in the percentage that you would see of darkness for closer you got to the totality. So it was starting, you know, to get darker, lighter. And so people were putting on their glasses. One gentleman brought on 50 extra pairs of Eclipse glasses.
0: All approved, huh?
1: Yep, all approved. Just handed them out to people that may not have had them. Right. It was so awesome. And it was sad because, you know, you'd seen them in the news. They were running out. Some were being recalled. Some people were gouging prices and, you know, things like that. But when it came time for the eclipse, it was amazing. It was, I mean, for two minutes and 20 seconds, you would think this is something people always remember. I mean, our plane was daylight sunshine and then snap of fingers it was dark
0: now so by the, you say that you were getting relatively close to sisters right sisters wouldn't were. the plane actually start descending by then too
1: um no we we stay pretty much 30,000 35,000 feet right in there we get a little we step down little by little we don't even go below gosh 20,000 feet until we're way over Mountain Hood, close oh 10,000 okay. feet until we're like in Trowtale.
0: Okay. So what were the passengers' responses in seeing this?
1: Um, well, first of all, several airlines had charters. We had a charter. And so, and people, Some there's a couple that bid $21,000 to take the charter. These people just got to see it for the price of their regular ticket. When... People were seeing it. And they were just like, ooh, and they were clapping. They were taking pictures. People were taking the lens off the glass, putting over their phones, getting pictures. Hey, how would you get a good picture? And they were sharing information how they could take a better picture. It was really cool. But when they got off the plane, people were clapping. The, the pilot actually took the aircraft. And you can kind of go a little left and a little right. So people can get a better view. Right. And it's kinda like if you've ever looked out an aircraft window you had to kinda look out and up a little bit. But you could see it.
0: Well, I remember when you sent those pictures out yeah. and and I thought, Wow, what a place to be. Yeah, it was very awesome. You know? I'll
1: never forget it. It was very cool.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. the I understand the next time an eclipse crosses Oregon, it'll be twenty one sixty nine. Yeah. Now there'll be some sooner, but they just won't be in, be in Oregon. Oregon,
1: right? There's one that crosses like in Dallas and uh, yeah. Uh, well, San well I'll be 225 somewhere.
0: years old by 2169. So I'll
1: be pretty close behind you. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I think I'll miss that one. Yeah.
1: I don't. Well, I might be up there. I don't know. There may, you know, there may be a longevity curve. If I can be as healthy as I am now at that age, sure. But I'm. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I'll
0: just be a uh, just just hang in there, old timer. Exactly, yeah. All right, listen, let's get to work. We've got some things to talk about that I think are very important, and uh, they're important not only for uh, those uh, within the LGBTQ community, but within uh, the world of HIV and AIDS. Uh, It's a day in Portland that happens annually, and that's AIDS Walk Portland. It's coming up Saturday, September 9th, and uh, I I understand by their website that teams are still forming. Uh, so if you want to walk the um, um, walk, uh, you need to get hold of them right now. And all you need to do is go to AIDSWalkPortland.org. And the goal for this year is $475,000. I, I think you could probably chip in $400,000, could not you?
1: Oh sure, let me let me get a checkbook. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a absolutely. Lock, too. And it's a, it goes really fast. Yes, like, oh, absolutely.
0: And and of course, this is put on by Cascade Aids Project. Right.
1: A great organization in Portland. I
0: mean, and they yeah. have just over the years done a phenomenal job. Yeah. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, we're going to listen to a uh, song done by, uh, I was doing some research, and she comes to Portland at least once a year. And, and of course, I'm referring to Carla Bonoff, And she does a really cool song. Uh, and the songs that I picked out for today uh, all sort of sublimely have a message about AIDS, even though they may not have been intended. But she did a song called Faces in the Wind. Um uh, okay. Craig Safer, I think, is the one that wrote the music for it. And uh, Carla Bonaf did it in 1977. So I know that she did not. uh, This was prior to the AIDS. Yeah. prior, yeah. Yeah, uh, but it it still has a beautiful tune to it. So uh, let's give that a listen. We'll be right back, and we'll be talking about more AIDS Portland.
2: You covered all your care.
0: Was Karla Bonoff? Thank you very much for uh, uh, bearing with us. You know there is a um, thing, and I'm going to tr- hope I don't mess up these words, Gary. I know that okay. you, you'll be able to correct me because you're a duck. Oh yeah. Okay? okay. Yeah. Hey, by the way, they they. Oh, they
1: slaughtered. They did like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: There is a there is a word called antiretroviral therapy. Uh, And it's the use of HIV medicines to treat HIV infection. Now, people on the acronym is ART take a combination of HIV medicines called an uh, HIV regimen, but they have to do it every day. Every day. And I can think back to the mid to late 80s uh, when I knew... Folks who were living with HIV and AIDS, and the list of medications uh, that they had to take on a daily basis would oh. stretch a mile.
1: It, it was astounding, and, and that's what's so funny. It was, it was actually killing people. If you watch the movie Dallas Buyers Club, it was like okay, you could take this, and one of the the medicines back then, I guess, was Crixivan. You could take Crixivan but you can't take it within two hours of these other medicines you have to take, and you have to take it on an empty stomach, but it may make you sick. So if you throw up the medicine, but you can't take it again, and it was actually so toxic it was killing people. Right. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, okay, art is recommended for everyone infected with HIV. People infected with HIV should start art as soon as possible. ART can't cure HIV, and that's an important point. Right. But HIV medicines help uh, people infected with HIV live longer, healthier lives. ART also reduces the risk of uh, HIV transmission. So I don't know how accurate that last statement is. I got this from a a government website.
1: Well, I think what happens is Well, the only thing that really helps stop the transmission is safe sex or condoms. But what the medicines do is when you take them, say if the virus was a triangle, it actually takes the virus and shapes it into a circle so that the HIV virus doesn't recognize it and it can't attack healthy cells. Right. So that's what it. That's how the, the medicine kind of works.
0: Now there, there are there are risks involved. Uh, potential risks of ART include unwanted side effects from HIV medicines, and um, interaction between uh, HIV medicines or between HIV medicines and other medicines a person is taking. Poor adherence not taking HIV medicines every day, and exactly as prescribed can lead to uh, treatment failure. Yeah, and
1: you can become immune to the medicine you're taking, and there's different categories, and if yeah. you don't take them right, you can't go back and take them again, you're burnt out on them.
0: I think there are two important points that we need to leave here leave this this particular uh, section with. And one is that there are still many people who go through life never getting tested.
1: Yeah, that's the big thing. You gotta get that, tested, you gotta
0: know. It, it's just so critically important okay. that if you feel that you might be infected with HIV, that you get yourself tested. Right. And um, Testing is free for crying out loud. Okay,
1: oh and it takes minutes.
0: Yeah, I I, re, I remember the first time I was tested, uh, and this goes back to the early nineties. It took.
1: Oh, it's a horrible two weeks. Two weeks. I remember waiting. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Oh my god. And and. Like finding out if you're pregnant or not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and but really, I can't emphasize it enough. And the other is, if you are on an art program, take your medications when you're supposed to take them. There's nothing worse than people who try to self-medicate themselves. No,
1: it's it's and, so easy now. They have a pill that's one a day. Um, they have them, they're so small, like the, the very smallest pill you could imagine. I mean, you could take them at night they, they make it really simple. I mean, if you have a hard time taking medicine, they can. your doctor can work with you on that.
0: Right. We're going to take another break here real quick. We're going to hear from Chris Body, um, whom I consider to be a really phenomenal trumpet player. Uh, Chris was born here in Portland. Oh, cool. And he lived in Corvallis, and then he grew up and went and got famous. Um and uh, the song that he's going to be doing is uh, Someone to Watch Over Me. I writ- love that song. R- written by George and Ira Gershwin okay. for a 1926 musical.
1: I think we played that on your shows before, different shows, but yeah. different versions yeah. of the same yeah.
0: song. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and I think it, I think it fits in so well uh, with the concept of being uh, people being cared for, especially for organizations like CAP, uh, because they've been continually watching over folks for over 30 years. So let's give that that a listen. Here's Chris Boddy right here on Left of Center. Welcome back, and thanks to Chris Boddy for that wonderful tune. You know, for the last 30 years, Gary, uh, the biggest step a person could take who thinks they may be infected is to be tested. Getting tested is as relevant today as it was in 1985. The biggest change is that medicines have been developed that will allow anyone infected to live a longer Healthier life. Now, I remember talking to someone that you and I both know uh, that was HIV positive. And I asked him about his uh, regimen of medications. And he said he only takes one or two pills a day. Yeah. Like That's how far they've advanced. Um,
1: yeah. Like I said, there's a one pill. It's like a tripla, and then there's there's another pill called Edran Epsicon, both very small pills. I mean yeah, there's all different categories. Like you there's like three different categories. You need to take one from each category or you can take D, which is the one pill option. So they can make it as easy as you can or Right. Some people can't take a big horse pill, some People can only take medicine in the morning. It just, but they yeah. can work with you.
0: Well, they've made it possible for the medicines to be compatible almost with the needs of the individual.
1: Right. And you can eat anything on them. There's no more worrying about if it's if can dairy or the earlier medicines. People yeah. like us couldn't drink dairy or they couldn't eat certain foods.
0: And the other thing we have to talk about here is um, the fact that. Cascade's project has been around Portland since 1985. Oh, and they do great work. They and they do so many things. Help. They do education. They do testing. They 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 hold classes and forums and mm-hmm. and uh, support groups. And they and, help
1: people that are affected. They help it, with housing and job search or y- yeah counseling. And, and like they even have yeah. a
0: hotline. Yep. And so it, you know, it's almost it's almost like a full service. Uh, operation that they have. And I've known some folks that have been uh, involved or employed by Cascade AIDS Project, and uh, to each and every one of them, they just absolutely feel committed to it. So uh, I think that it's really important that we uh, keep that in mind, okay? Now, one final song, and then we're going to be gone for the day. Okay. Um, have a few notes. Um, Bruce Contia, does that name sound yeah, familiar I mean, to you? Yeah,
1: we played him a couple other times. Yeah. Well, the other songs um, are
0: different. One of yeah. the One of the founders of Tower of Power. Right. And Bruce has actually lived in Portland for a while, and the song that he's going to be doing is uh, The World We Once Knew. And it's a, it's a beautiful song, but it's so stirring in the fact that when you stop to think about people that you've known uh, and are no longer with us, yeah. you know, um, what would their lives have been like today?
1: Right. If they could have just held out a little longer, if they could have just...
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's give this a song, Uh, the song and listen. I think you'll enjoy it. And we'll come back and say our goodbyes. Here's Bruce Conte, The World We Once Knew. Why? Well, you know, Gary, considering this, this is the first time you've visited me on my podcast, yeah. uh, I normally do a lot of ranting and raving and yelling and screaming and hollering because of all of the injustices in the world. But today we took a bit of a different turn. Yeah, we did. And I think it's important. So I think it's also important to remember that with organizations like Cascades AIDS Project, uh, they have been providing such a wonderful service for uh, a number of years, um, that it just makes sense to stop for a minute and think about that. But even more importantly, join them, support them, um, and uh, go to AIDSWalkPortland.org, and you can get the details about the walk. It's September 9th. That's Saturday. It's Saturday. Yeah. You uh, can
1: actually show up at the park and donate at the park on the site and do the walk that day.
0: Exactly. And mm-hmm. I have a I have a couple of friends that are supposed to come up from Eugene for the walk. So.
1: My mm-hmm. son and I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't. Yeah. I don't know if we'll do it this mm-hmm. year. We did last mm-hmm. year.
0: Yeah. So that's it for Left of Center. Join me again next time. We'll have some rants and raves. And uh, yet we'll start thinking more positive too, because you can only rant and rave so long. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.